welcome to the Rugged Edge Survival Guide, a Rugged Edge computing podcast by Premio, where it's all about the hardware I.O. Join us on our constant search into how embedded computing solutions are transforming the enterprise business landscape. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rugged Edge Survival Guide, a Premio podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening along and joining us for some more Rugged Edge Thought Leadership. As you're listening to our breakdown today, make sure that you're going to our website, premioinc.com, again, premioinc.com, for more information on some of the technologies that you might hear about today, and also make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. We're going to be exploring a lot of specific technologies today, and some of them, which we won't dive too deep into, we've already done full episodes on. So make sure you're perusing that catalog if you want deeper dives into things like computing technology, edge compute deployments, and more. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're exploring the growth of key technologies that are supporting 5G's expansion. And those specific technologies are going to be data processing units, smart network interface cards, and field programmable gate arrays, or maybe better known to the industry as DPUs, smart NICs, and FPGAs. Maybe even more importantly, we're going to be exploring the intersection between all three of these technologies and how they're creating a smart and flexible solution that will expand the reach as well as the use cases of 5G technology. 5G channels, as they grow, are going to be handling varied and heavy amounts of data, and the computing infrastructure to support 5G as it's rolled out will require engineers and integrators to look for supporting technology that diverts processing to the right units, maximizes speed, maximizes efficiency, and responsiveness. So let's go ahead and get deeper into some recent developments in DPUs, SmartNICs, and FPGAs, and why and how they will be key in supporting 5G today and tomorrow. For insights, we're joined by Peter Sue, Solutions Architect at Premio Inc. Peter, welcome to your first Premio podcast. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Real pleasure getting you on, Peter, and uh, sourcing your experience and your background working with this intersection of various cutting-edge technologies. So let's go ahead and jump in. All right, so let's start by better understanding how 5G itself is transforming the networking industry. I think this is a great way to get a lay of the land and uh, set the uh, the timeline for 5G's growth. So with the advent of PCIe Gen 4, data speed limitations are being broken just about everywhere, especially in the networking industry. And one of the big front runners is 5G and its benefits. But I'm curious, what concrete improvements has it made when compared to 4G? And why does data speed matter so much for today's 5G and compute needs? Yeah, so 5G has been a hot topic for quite some time now. And with the introduction of 5G, we have the potential to do so many things that's not possible with 4G. And I think when we look at 5G, there's two key metrics that we um, need to look at just to see how much better 5G is and how it will affect us. So the first one is the, the peak speed. And the second one is latency. So peak speed is about the maximum speed that you can hit with 5G. 
So in which is about six times better than 4G. So that allows you to do a lot of different things. For example, um, run 4K, 8K videos on your mobile devices, do large scale video streamings, or even play high quality video games when you're at the airport, camping, or driving with your uh, parents. So um, that just gives a lot of possibility for you to do with the, the maximum speed that 5G offers. Second is latency. So I believe latency is very important when you talk about 5G, just because it enables a lot of um, mission critical applications that um, that cannot ex tolerate any interruptions. So for example, we look at um, self-driving vehicles, events robotics, telesurgery, or simultaneously translating. Um, so these are two metrics that we can look at just to see how much better 5G is and how much um, we can do with 5G that we couldn't do with 4G. Can you compare data speed between 4G and 5G? Uh, what kind of tangible difference is there and what kind of impact is that having on uh, the various industries that plan to take advantage of 5G, especially networking? For the peak speed that we were talking about, the maximum speed for 5G, we're looking at 10 gigabit per second, while 4G runs at 1.45 gigabit. So that's about six times higher than 5G is compared to 4G. And when we talk about latency, 5G can do um, below 10 milliseconds, while 4G, it's good if you can get 40 to 50 milliseconds. So when you're, for example, self-driving vehicles or telesurgery, um, where the response time is very crucial, those five or six times faster in latency will really make a big difference to determine if there's an accident ahead or to determine if um, the the surgeon across the country is making, um, making a judgment on what to do next. So these are all very crucial um, things that we couldn't do before or it was a higher risk of doing when you're using 4G technology. Perfect. Thank you for that context. So building off of that, another popular trend among data handlers that has risen, especially due to giants such as AWS and Microsoft Azure, is using edge computing. And this is something we've covered in depth on our podcast, so I encourage our audience to go listen to previous episodes on the growth and applications of edge computing for more context. But 5G is a known factor for helping spread the popularity of edge computing as well. So I want to intersect these two technologies. How does 5G and its deployments intersect today with edge computing? And what needs does 5G have for the flexible and the hardened capacities of an edge computer? 5G itself does not help or improve our current network backhaul infrastructure. If anything, it actually strains it even more. So this is where edge computing comes into play. Because 5G applications can be so demanding on performance and latency, so many data centers and telcos right now are relying on edge computing to address uh, a big chunk of these requests from 5G devices. So stra the strain right now is actually moved to edge computing because of the of what edge computing's purpose is. And the challenge of edge computing right now is not to be the bottleneck within this whole 5G infrastructure. So I think this is where Premium comes in and where what, how we're able to help. As we specialize in developing servers, uh, we specifically um, develop systems to um, address these issues. So um, we are able to design servers that target specifically at high performance and low latency environments to ensure that when the requests from 5G devices come in, that um, edge computing or the servers won't be the bottleneck and the request won't be stuck at the network backhaul. 
AWS and some of these other cloud services I know have been utilizing DPU-based processors uh, known as SmartNICs, which are becoming a regular feature in their edge setups. Uh, I want to learn a little bit more about SmartNICs as we get deeper into the technical side of our conversation today. So can you start here just as a basic starting point? I know SmartNICs add intelligent processing of network traffic to the NIC itself, processing that previously would need to necessarily be performed by the CPU, which then in turn frees up the CPU for more essential tasks. So can you go into more detail on this technology with that framing and more specifically explain how smart smart NICs really are and what tech enables NICs to go smart? Yes, so um, Amazon started with the whole SmartNIC usage several years ago uh, when they tried to look at ways to increase performance for their servers and process workloads more efficiently. So a SmartNIC is considered smart because of its ability to be programmed for your specific workloads. You can program it to outflow workloads such as packet inspection, encryption, decryption, transcoding, NVMe over fabric, or virtual switches. And this is possible because within the smart NIC, there are ARM cores and network accelerators to handle these tasks uh, instead of relying on the CPUs. And not only can they offload the workload from the CPU, but they can handle these workloads more efficiently than the CPU. How is that smart capacity being put to good use today? Can you uh, differentiate between how just a, a regular or dumb Nick would, uh, you know, operate compared to a smart Nick uh, and just how those processes really look different. Yeah. So um, when you use a regular Nick in a data center today, um, when the workloads come in, the packets come in, um, they go through the Nick, but the Nick itself cannot process the workloads. So they really rely on the CPU. So what the, what within the server, the packet then gets moved from the network card, the, the dumb NICs, over to the CPU. It gets transferred to the CPU. The CPU then have to process this and then send the response back to the network card. Um, and the response goes out. But with the smart NIC, when the packet comes in, the smart NIC is actually able to filter a lot of these uh, workloads. So for example, you can program the smart NIC to send a response without even having going to the CPU. So uh, you might have a response that come in, uh, our, we might have a response from our mobile devices that we send a request. This request can go to be sent to a SmartNIC. The SmartNIC can then process that response and come up with a, a request or a response and then send it back to a mobile device without ever having to travel to the CPU. In this uh, broader equation of technology intersections that we're exploring today, the other key technology is the FPGA device. Uh, these integrated circuits are not new tech. They've actually been allowing customers or designers to customize their integrations after the manufacturing process is done for years now. But I think it would be important to break down that history a little more. So can you give us said history of FPGA devices and really in what context they've been most useful over the years? And then we'll intersect them with today's applications. FPGA has been around for a long time. Um, it was first used by Altera, um, but then it was really commercialized by Xilinx in 1985 with their introduction of the XC2064. And Altera was later bought by Intel two years ago um, for $16.7 billion. So it was actually the biggest acquisition ever. So companies like Microsoft also use FPGAs for their Bing service and Amazon for their AWS. So FPGA is basically a high programmable device 
So you can program it to do any workloads that you want. For example, for Bitcoin mining, for AI accelerator to cloud applications. So as, lo as long as you have enough uh, resource and time on hand, basically you can program the FPGAs to do anything you want. And then to place that into the context of our conversation today around 5G, what aspects of the 5G industry or just of 5G data processing uh, are finding use in these FPGA-based SmartNICs? Yeah, so earlier we talked about two important metrics of 5G, the, the peak speed and the latency. So peak speed is about transferring large amounts of data. Um, with 5G, a lot of data is being consumed. So there was a research done um, of how much data is actually being consumed by the five, six leading uh, 5G countries. And on average, 5G users actually use two times more data than 4G users. So users are able to run high uh, quality live streams and watch 4K videos on their mobile devices. So we can just imagine how much more strain that is to our network backbone. So with SmartNICs, we can offload a lot of those uh, video transcoding and networking workloads from the CPU onto the SmartNICs. So using SmartNICs for video transcoding can be 10 to 20 times more efficient compared to using a, a, a general purpose CPU. And second is the latency. So a lot of these mission critical uh, applications require ultra low latency responses. And this is where the SmartNICs really shine. So with proper programming, a network packet can be received, processed and responded all by the SmartNIC without even having to go through the CPUs. So this will eliminate a lot of these uh, unnecessary data movements and improve latency dramatically. So for specific workloads, smart NIC latency can be 50 times lower compared to uh, general purpose CPUs. So just imagine uh, driving a car that travels uh, 60 miles per hour and you see an accident ahead. It, it takes a, a human brain about a second to respond. So by the time you hit your brake, you would have traveled another extra 25, 28 meters. But um, for a smart NIC to respond, it takes one millisecond. So it's a thousand times faster than a human brain. So uh, with a smart NIC, autonomous vehicle can actually hit the brake within one centimeter. So that is literally the difference between life and death. And uh, playing off of that uh, life or death kind of scenario, what are the domino effects such as operational efficiency, cost savings, or otherwise that are coming out of this intersection of edge technologies? And how is this translating into the business case for organizations as they decide, should we invest in this kind of hardware for our 5G rollouts? So on average, 30% of data center workloads right now are related to networking. And the number is increasing as more data centers start to implement composable disaggregated infrastructure. But with smart NICs, we can offload all this networking workload from CPUs onto the NIC itself. And right away, if we do that, we can free up 30% of the CPU resources that we can use for what it's meant to be used. So that's another way of saying that is that's adding 30% of extra servers right away without having to buy more equipment, using more power, or take up more uh, valuable real estate at a data center. So not only does it decrease capital expenditure, but it also, it also um, decreases operating expenditure. And also for virtu uh, virtualization software such as uh, VMware, where license fee is based on the number of CPU cores that you have, adding smart NICs will give you extra computing resources without adding extra license costs. 
And these are just some examples that SmartX are um, able to offer. And with the Premios 2U uh, add-on card server, we can support up to 18 SmartX in a server and providing an ultra-low latency system by connecting all the SmartX and NVMe de de uh, devices through our uh, PLX PCIe switches. As businesses start to weigh that investment opportunity, how are you seeing them maneuver the business case for their organization? Uh, are there any areas where you often see them, you know, get hung up on, you know, is this worth the investment or not that they need some education around? Um, you know, what, what's maybe challenging about making that key decision? A lot of um, businesses, they have a hard time under understanding the savings they have with um, from operating expenditures because that is um, savings that they cannot capture right away. But with the implementation of SmartNix, that's now long. That's not just on operating expenditures. That's uh, on capital expenditures as well. So that is actually cost that they can capitalize right away. And that's why I think it'll be easier for uh, companies to implement SmartNix if they choose to, because right away you will see a increase in CPU performances and in, in the resources and the latency that it, that that SmartNix are able to offer. So I think um, if they look at the numbers, that it will be an easier decision to make uh, to implement SmartNix compared to other uh, other I guess technologies. Like we mentioned towards the beginning of the podcast, uh, SmartNix because of that intelligence on the NIC are able to take over some of the processing that would normally go to the GPU or the CPU. Can we break down how uh, 5G fits into that processing funnel? And how are you seeing SmartNICs take over 5G tasks that were traditionally done over the GPU and CPU? I guess break down which tasks and why and how SmartNICs are benefiting. So the way how SmartNICs are designed, it not only offloads the workloads from the CPUs, but it is also able to process these workloads more efficiently. So um, there are three main areas that SmartNICs can offload workloads from CPUs. Um, that's security, storage, and networking. Um, so security includes encryption, decryption, packet inspection, and filter inbound uh, outbound traffic uh, packets. Storage including erasure coding, compression, the dupe, and networking includes um, network, uh, NVMe over fabric, flow table processing, and RDMA. And other, um, as more data centers run virtualization, um, a lot of these uh, virtual switches, uh, virtual functions can also be applied on smart NICs. And we, we mentioned about 30% workload before, but as more data centers run virtualization, these 30% can actually increase beyond 30%, 40, 50, even as high as 70%. So these are all workloads that we can um, offload it onto the SmartNICs. Even though the SmartNIC helps, uh, obviously there are still processing tasks that happen over the CPU, and really the goal is for the SmartNIC to work in conjunction with the CPU so both processing units can maximize what and why they're processing certain data. Uh, so can you give us more context on that ecosystem? How do the CPU and the SmartNIC now work together with 5G tasks, and how are both being maximized? We mentioned about how the difference between a smart NIC and a regular NIC. Um, right now, without the smart NIC, the CPU is basically doing everything. 
um, there is no extra resource. That's where the smarter comes in. It's handling a lot of these networking workloads for the CPU. So the CPU can do um, what it's meant to do, for example, analyzing data, uh, doing virtualization, um, giving the CPU resource to their um, hypervisors. So these are all workloads that the CPU is meant to do, but wasn't able to do it as full capacity because of these networking workloads that it has to handle. Um, so that's why, that's how the SmartNICs can work together with the CPUs. Another th uh, example will be um, transferring the data. So when we look at a system design, we want to try to um, prevent data unnecessary data movements as much as possible. So um, if we look at how the way how um, Premium designs a server, we connect all the NVMe devices and the smart switches to a, uh, uh, sorry, SmartNICs to a PCI switch. So that means the data can, tra can tra travel through the switch from the SmartNIC to the switch to the NVMe devices without ever having to cross the CPUs. Um, so these are the ways that we can prevent unnecessary data movements. You know, I'd love to ground some of these technical insights around some more specific use cases. So I'm wondering if you could give us some examples uh, from customers or partners that you've worked with who have put this SmartNIC technology to use for their uh, data processing and uh, what kind of domino effect has it had on their operations, their bottom line? Go ahead and give us some examples if you don't mind. Yeah, so one example is uh, one of our customers that specializes in uh, network security inspections. Um, so the, this is a company that screens all the packets that comes through the ISPs. So you see millions and millions of packets coming in. And these all these packets all need to be inspected, analyzed, and make sure that there's no security attacks. So this was done by using two 64 core AMD CPUs with NVMe storage devices and SmartNICs. So when the packets hit the SmartNICs, it is first timestamped, inspected, then transferred to the NVMe storages. Um, the CPUs are then free from the networking workloads and can be can fully utilize its 128 cores to analyze the packets in the background. So all this is done while it's running live. So as the packets come in, none of the packets can be dropped. They all need to be analyzed live. So the systems must be able to sustain the, the throughput and the latency required by the ISPs. So this is done by using our 2U add-on car server, the NVMe solution, which can support two AMD CPUs up to 64 cores, the maximum cores, and 16 add-on cards that's all connected through the POX PCI switches. And because of our unique design, the smart NICs are able to offload the inspected packets directly to the NVMe devices through our PCIe switch without ever having to travel to the CPUs. So these, like I mentioned earlier, saves a lot of unnecessary data move movements, data hops, and it really lowers the latency and increases the bandwidth. And if you had to postulate a little bit, um, using those examples as framing, if we bring 5G back into the conversation, uh, do you foresee the same kind of impact uh, for end users that are bringing smart NICs on for 5G data flow? And how do you think the use cases might compare? We mentioned about the previously about the benefit of, of a smart NIC is the ability for it to process workloads at a lower latency compared to a CPU. And if we go back to our previous example of the Thomas vehicle driving. If you use a CPU compared to a SmartNIC, um, the CPU's response to a specific request might be five times higher than a SmartNIC. So you, in terms of the autonomous vehicle, um, where if it's relying on the 5G technology with ultra low latency, and it's expecting for 
a response within a one millisecond. But that's just not something that a CPU can do. So the 5G technology is there, but if we you still utilize this on the traditional general purpose CPU, that we're ad actually adding on top of the latency that the 5G is able to do. All right, we're getting towards the end of our conversation. I want to widen up a little bit uh, the scope of our conversation and now look at who is leading with SmartNIC technology and why. Could you break down who the current leaders of SmartNIC technology are today and some of the differentiators that make their products more appealing, more effective, uh, more flexible? Give us that lay of the land. So I would say that the current leader in SmartNIC technology is NVIDIA. So NVIDIA acquired Melnox, who acquired Telera, and is one of the oldest SmartNIC manufacturers in the field. And NVIDIA's Bluefield 2 is built upon its widely successful ConnectX network chip. So this car incorporates eight ARM cores that can be clocked at 2.75 gigahertz. And it also includes 16 gigs of memory and up to two 200 gig QSFP56 connections. So this is probably the only 200 gig SmartNIC available in the market right now. And NVIDIA also has a Bluefield 2X available that adds its uh, Ampere GPU into the card. So NVIDIA calls this the AI-powered DPU that targets applications such as real-time security analytics, encrypted uh, traffic analytics, and other security services. But I also think Intel is another SmartNIC vendor that we should pay close attention to. Um, Intel, it's not using the traditional uh, single chip design. Instead, it uses five of its own chip uh, in their, the N3000 SmartNIC. So this is a very expensive approach that Intel's taking, but it allows the car to run some applications that the traditional SmartNICs cannot. So Intel seems to have designed this car to target towards the 5G market. And I'm not sure if Intel will be able to deliver the software that's necessary to um, to run these applications on the card. So I think that will be a key requirement in order for Intel's card to be successful. Are there any smaller players that are uh, maybe not that large yet or don't have considerable market share, but are doing something innovative that you think might uh, start to create some friction with market leaders like NVIDIA? Yeah, I think players, smaller players such as Fungible is also doing um, getting a lot of tractions. Fungible and NVIDIA is, has been pushing the term DPU instead of just using regular SmartNICs. And I think it's been it's picking up a lot of tractions and a lot of people has been talking about Fungible and the way how they designed their SmartNICs with the P4 accelerator. So it has been pretty interesting what, what Fungible can do. So we've spent our entire conversation today talking about SmartNICs, DPUs, FPGAs, the intersection of all three, and why they're going to be so valuable for uh, the growth and expansion of 5G networks. But I think it's important to remember that any technology isn't a magic wand, and SmartNICs are the same. They're not a magic wand for data processing, and there are limits to what SmartNICs can do. So to be wise with those investments as an end user. In summary, how would you go about getting the most bang for your buck out of a SmartNIC setup? And what factors should 5G professionals and end users weigh to reach an accurate assessment of their needs? Yeah, so just because um, SmartNICs are beneficial, you don't want to just go ahead and load your systems up with um, 18 SmartNICs just because you can you really want to look at your particular environment, what applications are you running, 
what can be offloaded to the SmartNix, what cannot, um, what's more beneficial running on SmartNix, what's more beneficial running on CPU. So you really have to weigh that um, the judgment and to see what's more beneficial. So although SmartNix are easier to program than FPGAs in general, but they are still required to be programmed in order to meet your specific needs. So companies such as NVIDIA offers a SDK development kit for their Bluefield 2 that can really help programmers to take on this task to program the SmartNIC for their particular environment. But at the end of the day, it still requires programmers from your team to tune the card to meet the, your specific requirements. So there are programming resources that needs to be dedicated in order for you to implement a SmartNIC into your design. And then last but not least, Peter, uh, I want to bring Premio into the conversation even just a little bit. So let's get a better understanding of Premio's place in this growing intersection of technologies. Uh, what do you think is helping Premio set itself apart from other solutions for server platforms that require this kind of DPU acceleration? And how would you describe these differentiators as impacting the effectiveness of a DPU-based SmartNIC solution for 5G? So um, there are many servers available that can support DPU SmartNICs. As long as you have a PCI slot on your motherboard, you can just plug in a DPU. But the way how Primo's um, 2U NVMe add-on car server is designed, you're not plugging plugging in the DPUs directly onto the motherboard's PCI slots. You are actually plugging in the cards uh, into a PCIe switch that can connect it to other uh uh, NVMe storage devices. So this allows peer-to-peer -peer communications with SmartNICs and NVMe devices. And at the same time, uh, we can support two 64-core AMD CPUs on for your other applications. So I can say that this is a true low-latency, high-performance server. And this is just an example of this unique design server that Premium offers. We just don't really design general purpose uh, servers, off the shelf servers, but we really focus on high performance, high density storage servers and OEM, ODM custom design servers. So I believe that with the combination of our, the premium 2 u server and DPU accel accelerators, uh, we can really truly address many of these bottlenecks that the edge computing environment is currently seeing with the, the increased bandwidth that 5G uh, devices are demanding. And I'm curious to see how Premio continues to support this intersection of edge technologies as 5G networks become more robust and actually usable at a consumer and enterprise level. Till then, I think that does it for our conversation. We'll obviously do some follow-ups as uh, 5G channels get more and more robust. But Peter Sue, Solutions Architect at Premio Inc., thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insights today. It's really been a pleasure so far. Thanks for having me. It's great talking to you. And Peter, as we wrap up, if folks want to find out more about Premio's place in this market, more about some of the technologies we broke down today, or just get in touch with Premio, how can they do so? To find out more, you can go on our website, premioinc.com. And as we move forward, we'll be releasing more articles and contents on 5G and how that relates to smart NICs. Um, also, you can also follow us on our social media and uh, we'll be also releasing more docu uh, contents in, in regards to smart NICs. Fantastic. Peter Sue, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and we'll chat again soon. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Rugged Edge Survival Guide, a Premio podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can go to our website, premioinc.com. Again, premioinc.com. Or you can subscribe to the Rugged Edge Survival Guide on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.